The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Some nasty weather happening around the region as we uh, as we take a look and just double check to make sure uh, what the very uh, the severe thunderstorm warning has ended for oh has it let me just double check this here I'm just updating it uh, yes it has ended the warning has ended for Edmonton but we remain under a watch so that means the potential could happen Randy was just telling you about that before we went to the break was telling you about this story um, about the, it ended up on Reddit about a woman who went to her husband's grandmother's house and went into the bathroom and pretty much freaked out because it was carpeted and she's having a real tough time wrapping her head around this my guest right now jason tetra one of my favorites he's a microbiologist he's the germ guy you know him he's the author of the germ files and host of the super awesome science show hey jason hello all right so here's the thing and i was i was saying okay chedville yay or nay what do you think about this did you have this growing up i did at 31 robertson lane bathroom kitchen it wasn't a shade carpet it was like a tight a tight weave carpet is it a yay or an a in your books uh, neither it's an ew <laughs> <laughs> look uh, here's the thing when you're talking about microbes there's three things that they need one is uh humidity or mm-hmm. water another is a nice warm temperature for them to be able to grow mm. and the third one happens to be food and for food i don't mean you know droplets of crumbs and stuff i mean you know human skin and and grime and dirt and everything like that and so when you start thinking about bathrooms kitchens and as i've learned in the past from a place here in canada uh, hospital wards what yeah Um. i've actually heard of hospital wards being carpeted those carpets are going to be wonderful places for them to harbor and grow all sorts of different types Mm. of microbes now the most important one is probably going to be the mold and and the mildew and that type of thing but yeah it's I, I mean that's going to happen and we know when you're cleaning your shower stalls you're cleaning the floors you're cleaning around your toilet like you know that that can be a messy thing you know what my kid <laughs> my kid texted just a short time ago and he says carpet carpet in the bathroom is nasty imagine all the dirty bath and toilet water all over it mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And imagine if you're not closing the lid when you're flushing. Because as we know from many, many studies ranging all the way back to the 1970s, you actually have droplets coming out. And whatever you may have deposited is going to be coming out. Jason, I have had people dispute that fact with me. I've had people say that is not true. No, it's very, very true. <laughs> and, and and you need to put that lid down because if you don't, then you are going to have that spray. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people are probably thinking, well, maybe spray on the carpet. Ah, it's not so bad. I'm not licking the carpet every day, right? Mm-hmm. How far is your toothbrush from that toilet mm-hmm. seat? You know. And, and you're the- walking maybe in bare feet and... Yeah, putting that into your bed. Oh, into your bed. Oh, I mean, that's the thing is when you think about it, one of the things that we do in microbiology is we trace or we track how microbes move. And it's very interesting because you can put microbes in a very remote spot that you don't think is going to have very mm-hmm. much uh, traffic or anything like that. And sure enough, not mm-hmm. much spread. But you put that in an area where people are coming and going all the time, yeah. goes everywhere. Mm. Mm-mm. So, yeah. 
Um, Tim says, you know, in the 60s, the 50s, 60s, and 70s, it was perfectly fine. Yeah, there was a lot of houses like that. This one says, carpet in the bathroom and kitchen is disgusting, but I have to admit, I did run a place when I was younger that had carpet in the kitchen, and you can see uh, where it was staining, was where the staining was on the floor from previous tenants. Uh-huh. This one says, no carpet anywhere. Our new house has zero carpet, and I don't miss it. Is carpet a kind of a... a, a, a a germ catcher? Yeah, carpets are definitely going to be germ catchers. If you are not interacting with the carpet, in other words, you're not down on it, rolling around in it, much like children do or new lovers, uh, <laughs> then there's a very good likelihood that it's not going to be that much of a problem. It's more going to be about the smell and uh, probably, you know, you're going to get some ruffling going on, that type of thing for spread. I think more importantly, what the, the real issue with carpet happens to be is that we had this mindset many, many, many moons ago that if you put carpet down, then you don't have to put wood or, mm. or linoleum or, or whatever you want down. So the carpet became a way of being able to decorate at a much cheaper cost. Mm-hmm. Now we're realizing that that's not the greatest thing. And we've got some excellent alternatives. Mm-hmm. So the fact is, is you don't really need to be using carpet. That being said, I've got carpet where I'm living right now, and I clean that probably about once a week, making Mm -hmm. sure that I do the sniff check. You 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 get down and sniff your sniff the carpet. I'm a microbiologist. We sniff everything. It's just part of what we do. Jason, I love you. Uh, my mother-in-law had a large bathroom with white carpet and red velvet wing-back chair in the middle of it in case you needed to sit down. <laughs> oh, and wait. Oh. Can I can I just also say something yes. else? How many people out there have got the, um, the toilet seat that has either the, the padded cushion mm. or... I, and I dare say this with, with with regret, the furry yes, the furry uh-huh. lid. I mean, <laughs> I've I've been asked numerous times about that, and my usual response is either get rid of it or don't talk to me because <laughs> like I there's nothing I can say about that. We literally grow. <laughs> stuff in the lab using the same type of materials so yeah it's it's not so good okay so here's the thing jason this is from jason i saw an episode of mythbusters that tested the spray from the toilet when you flush and it's not true the spray only goes up about six inches from the water surface and that's it uh the spray yeah what about the droplets Remember, droplets can be as little as five micrometers. So you, they're invisible. You can't see them. And it's funny because I've seen those tests where they mm-hmm. put the colored dye in and then they mm-hmm. flush. And sure enough, you know, it goes up about six to 12 inches. But that's not what we're concerned about. We're actually concerned about those very small droplets you can't see. Mm. And when we do that type of testing, it goes upwards of six feet away. Now, here's the thing. The toilet seat flushing is the same as you breathing or sneezing. Mm. When you do a sneeze, right, it's going to be maybe six inches to a foot away from you. And Mythbusters also did that. But the (laughs) fact of the matter is that you still can have upwards of six feet away from you, which is why we tell people to be six feet away from someone if they happen to be sneezing in order Mm. to be safe. And and here's the thing, I guess, you know, in some cases now, you know, I think of our bathroom, like our master bathroom, our toilet is kind of tucked away and there's yeah. a door in there. But there's a lot of bathrooms out there that the toilet is right beside the vanity, yeah. which is right beside the bathtub. Like they're all squished together. Like my house in Twilliger, you know, it was all squished. It was all together. Yeah. I mean, it's, you're spraying, you're, everything's right there. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And when you do have those close quarters, yeah. 
and you're not putting the lid down, then you're going to want to be making sure that you are cleaning on a more regular basis. Okay. And you're probably going to want to be changing that toothbrush more often. Uh, this is not what we were going to talk about, uh, <laughs> but it's always fun to just, you know, you know, spitball with you when you come in. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, you did um, one, uh, one episode of the Super Awesome Science Show, the award-winning Super Awesome Science Show, by the way, mm. on lying recently. So yes. I want to talk about lying. And then you've got something coming up on <laughs> armpits. Uh, so let's talk about lying and armpits. I, I like that. Just don't lie in somebody's armpit. Well, unless you cuddle, you scooch right in there. No, no, that, that's the shoulder. It's the crook. It's where the like, collarbone is. Have you ever actually curled up into somebody's armpit? Cats do that, sure, but humans? Okay, we'll talk about all of this coming up. Okay, we're quickly running out of time already with uh, Jason Tetro, uh, the author of The Germ Files. Of course, he's a microbiologist, everyone. Let's remember that. And he's the host of the Super Awesome Science Show. Quickly, someone texted and said, what about hotel rooms? Yeah, uh, hotel rooms are going to be incredibly germy. It doesn't matter what the stars are. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be lots of germs in different areas. Obviously, the bathroom is going to be your biggest concern. But yeah, the, the alarm clock is really bad. Yeah. You're also want to gonna, uh, going to want to make sure that you're using those disinfectant wipes on the remote controls. Yeah, the first thing that I do, and I, I take uh, I take the uh, the comforter off. Oh, yes. that's the first thing to can just yeah. Yep, the just the, move the, it, the put top it away layer. Somewhere. You just you just take that off, and and you should be good. Jason, I was fascinated about this because recently you did a podcast on lies, and mm -hmm. I was very interested in this topic. And I thought, okay, let's talk about lies and lying. And you talked to someone who'd been studying this, who's been you know kind of on the forefront of this for for many many years yeah. what did you learn what did you find out about lies and and lying so i ended up having the opportunity of talking with paul ekman now you may not know the name but if you've ever seen the show lie to me mm -hmm. then you would know what he did he actually created a, a system to be able to take facial expressions micro expressions things that we don't even consciously know that we're doing mm. to be able to identify emotional response and lies just fascinating mm. so i talked with him about his career from you know looking at being a psychologist and then going into this realm and let me tell you something it was an area of research that nobody had gone into for a number of years because they just simply weren't successful. He managed to do it and he created this system called the Facial Action Coding System, FACTS. And if you use that, you may be able to tell what the person across from you is thinking and also saying mm. whether or not it's truth or a lie. Now, you may think that this is really good for, you know, airport security and stuff like that, but the biggest people that he has or the biggest group of people that sort of go to that are salespeople. Mm. So they know whether their pitch is working or not and they can alter. So what is in those points? What are those, that template, what does that look like? Well, what it comes down to is it's very small movements of the face. So a little eyebrow raise yes. or you have a little movement in your nose. Uh, the lips will move a certain way. Your eyes will become bigger or smaller. Even the way that your eye, uh, your pupils dilate, all of that can lead to an expression of interest or emotion. Hmm. And then you can read that. So if someone says to you and uh, something, but their facial movements say something completely different, then you know that they're probably lying. Hmm. It's 
amazing, fascinating. I want you to listen to the show and then look up the facial action coding system because the it's brilliant. Facial action coding system. Yes, or as we like to say, just follow the facts. Facial action coding system. Not the alternative facts. I think there's a lot the of people that could be using that these days. <laughs> um, you have a, a podcast coming up on armpits? Yes. Okay, now, uh, armpits? Well, the fact is that armpits are a part of our bodies that we try not to pay much attention to but if you ever go into the drugstore if you ever start looking on television they are huge because it's an area where we're supposed to feel bad if it's wet or if it's smelly. Mm -hmm. And what we're trying to do is dispel some of those myths by looking at what the armpits are really there for. And what are they there for? Well, social signaling, which is the same thing that they're there for for animals. We are still animals. Mm -hmm. And when you have the armpits coming out and you're essentially emanating some kind of scent, someone can tell the type of person you are, how you might be able to get along with that person, these types of things. And we actually talked to a postdoctoral researcher who's, re who's looked into this and can give you an idea as to what the different scents could possibly mean. Pheromones, too, like when we're talking about love and sex and all that stuff? Well, the thing is, is we still don't know whether pheromones in humans really exist, but it doesn't really matter oh. because... And this is one of the coolest things that we found. Younger people tend to have more fruity, alluring, um, sexual scents. Okay. But as you get older, what ends up happening is that those scents tend to go away and you have more neutral scents. And then as you eventually get into older age, you have more uh, of a grassy scent. You become more one with the earth. <laughs> so it's really interesting that when you start looking at how the age demographics works with your armpits, you can actually find out why it is that, you know, 11 and I think it was Mike were kissing away on the Stranger Things yeah, so yeah. much. Whereas, you know, dad is just like, how am I going to do this? <laughs> Depending on, does the smell, does does your smell from your yep. armpits, I get, does, does it, um, does the food and your drink have an impact on that? Absolutely. So anything that you eat, anything that you drink will eventually have some effect on how you smell, especially if you're dehydrated, mm -hmm. if you're eating garlic, those types of things. So what you're eating is also going to have an effect. But at the end of the day, have you ever actually been with someone who you thought you might want to be romantic with and then you see them eating something that you would probably like never eat in your entire life or yeah. they're eating in such a way that you're just like oh my god I can't do that. Yeah or I've been around them and they smell. Yeah and that's another thing is um, as, as, she, uh, as Dr. Gaby points out you may be able to deal with someone you don't find physically or, or visually attractive and still have a special relationship yeah. with that person. But if a person smells bad, it's probably going to be a killer, which is one of the reasons why, and this is another thing that she talks about, is how we can do speed smelling instead of speed dating, where you might be able to identify a potential mate by essentially smelling their sweat and underarm-coated T-shirts. So, okay, so it's not a, you know, <laughs> Scott's face in there. It's like, what are you talking well, about? This just sounds an awful lot like how a dog would well, find a mate. How a dog, how do animals yeah, find mates. Yeah, ab absolutely. Maybe? And if you've ever seen the movie Flirting with Disaster, where um, they're actually licking the armpits as a means of being able to find attraction with someone, uh, that actually still um, exists. There are people who will lick armpits to be able to find mm. out whether that works. So thankfully, we've actually evolved so that it's no longer our butts. Before, <laughs> yes, that would be a little awkward on the street. Um, here's, okay, final question before we go then. The smell, 
the smell that you would use on a t-shirt to coat to to yep. uh, armpit date somebody let's put it that way how long would you have to not use deodorant antiperspirant perspirant before you got what would be your natural smell how do we know what our natural smell is they actually have looked at that and they have what they call a washout period so that you are your natural scent uh, and it's usually about a couple weeks and one last thing that Hello? you need to know is whether you use a deodorant or antiperspirant that's also going to change the way that you smell and one of our guests julie horvath has actually looked at the microbiome which is part of what makes our smell and how that changes when you're using a deodorant versus a uh, antiperspirant. Yeah. Let me tell you something. You might be able to smell very interesting depending on what you're using. And as I actually say in the germ files, sometimes you might be able to smell like grass and I'm not talking about the one on your lawn. Ooh. Well, it is coming up to 420. (laughs) (laughs) Jason, the germ guy, Tetro, microbiologist, author of the Germ Files, host of the Super Awesome Science Show. The the, the podcast on armpits going to be up... On Tuesday. On Tuesday. Every Tuesday we've got a new episode. It's going to be Armpits this Tuesday. (laughs) But I don't want you to wait until then. I want you to go back, listen to all the previous episodes, lies, hotels, whatever it may be. You're going to have a lot of fun. You're going to learn something. And let me tell you something. You got an idea? Send it over to me because everything is on the table. All right, Jason. Thank you for this. Have a great weekend. Your news headlines are up next.